TNT to the top, we're on the incline, walking close with the Lord, it's his time to shine. Trust the process like Jesus turning water into wine. Welcome back to TNT, episode 49. Let's, Let's go. go. <laughs> okay. Bringing you the rhymes once again. Bringing you the rhymes, oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> uh, but welcome back to episode 49 of True North Talk. This is going to be... I guess somewhat of a shorter episode. Peter and I are on a little bit of a time crunch, but it's still going to be packed with good information and truth for you guys to take home today and to meditate on. Um, and what we want to talk about today is uh, a couple main topics, uh, but, but the first one is going to be really something we hammer home here quite a bit, but it's because it's important for us to do as Christians, and that is to just make sure that we're meditating in the Word every day, that we are... Um, meditating on truth every day, consuming truth and taking initiative to do that because um, we can easily fall into the trap of relying upon the church and relying upon our pastors to feed us. And pretty quickly what can happen from that is you get lazy and you don't want to put the work in because Peter, you can say something on this if you want, but I know like, you know, reading is enjoyable. Reading the word is enjoyable. It's fruitful to the spirit. But it is a discipline and it takes effort and you can't get lazy with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the key of building any important habit. You have to put in the work to, to get familiarized with it and to get to a point where, not where it becomes something where you're just checking it off of a list, but where you're so accustomed to being in the word that it's, again, it's a habit for you. And I, I think it's just, it's so important to, because it's easy to get caught up in the world and in what we consume in media, in television, in, you know, even, you know, secular books that we might read or whatever the case might be. It's so easy to get caught up in what the world puts on display. And so having that connection and that time where you lock in on what's truly most important and everything that you find in the Bible I believe, and I know I know Joseph agrees with this as well, everything that we find in the Bible in some way we can apply to our life. Even if it's something that's in the Old Testament, it's kind of like just looking at it and being like, why Why is this important? And really diving into that, even though you know stuff in the Old Testament maybe could say isn't exactly the same as, as how things are today. Um, and that's a, probably a topic for another time, just talking about how even though I would say even beliefs were a little bit different in the Old Testament. This, there's still lots of truths to be taken from from the Old Testament and lots of things to learn. And just being yeah. being in the Word consistently, I can't overstate how important that is. Yeah, because there is a closeness and peace that you feel when you're doing that. You know, when you're close with God. And I think there's actually a scripture in this in the what we're going to read today on that. But uh, the, just the peace that comes with that um, for your soul. It's nourishing to your soul and it allows you even just simple things like sleep. You know, your sleep improves when you're doing that. Um, your overall well-being and just state of mind is better. But um, outside of that, it's, it's critical too for our spiritual health so that we can be in a position to um, spread the gospel and to be an example with ourselves because our conduct is a lot of the times what is a witness to others. Like what people see in us, the fruit that they see in us. If we are consistently um, not displaying the fruit of the spirit, then we're, we're kind of damaging with the message that we're sending to the world. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you have to be in the word to do. Um, 
you know, you can get by for a certain period of time without being as consistent, but it will catch up to you. And, uh, yeah. And like you were saying about, you know, you said you believe that every word in the Bible is true and, and uplifting and that's true. And like, that's a small, that's actually a, a small in size statement, but in meaning it's very large because there was actually a, uh, little like famous TikToker I was watching and he went on, um, the, a pastor I really love, my favorite pastor, which would be an honor to have him on True North Talk one day, but Jeff Durbin, he's a pastor of a church in Tempe, Arizona, or maybe Mesa, I forget, but Apologia Church, and his thing is um, that church was founded to uh, defend in defense of the gospel, Apologia. I think it means to go out and defend the gospel or something like that. That's like the Greek translation. yeah. It would probably be Um, the same route. But he had this man on his podcast where this guy was claiming to be a Christian on TikTok and he was claiming that like homosexuality was okay and that basically that was his thing. But his argument was so flawed and weak because he denied the inerrancy of the word of God. Like he denied the the fact that it was the word of God is true in every single word and it is true and inerrant. There's nothing in the Bible that is that should not be there. There's nothing that's inconsistent. After you actually study everything, there's no, there was no inconsistencies, um, contradictions. His position was one of, oh, I think that it's not inerrant. Like there are some parts that are errant, some that are not relevant, and some that are flawed and, and shouldn't be in the Bible. When you have that understanding, you have to throw the whole Bible out. You either take all of it as the true word of God, because that's what it claims to be from beginning to end, or you have to throw all of it out. You can't pick and choose what you like. So even for our listeners today, we're talking about the word of God reading out of it, but you, even us as Christians, having the understanding that we can't pick and choose what we want, you know, if you're that, if you're doing that, you're not, you're not a Christian. You don't believe what the Bible says because the Bible says that from beginning to end, it is the truth. It is the truth, the foundation, the ultimate truth that we fall back on. Um, and you can't get away from that. So... I think, it, like I said, it's a small statement that you made in size, but it's big in meaning. And people, I don't think a lot of people put a lot of thought into that. But it is true. And it's something that uh, I think people should be aware of. But with that being said, I think we should go ahead and get into the scripture here. Uh, unless you had anything else you want to add on the end of that about just the inerrancy of God's word and the perfect nature of it. I don't know. Do you have any more thoughts on that? I would just back that up 100%, like like I already said. But with something else that kind of stood out to me that you, that you said, again, kind of a brief statement that's also very important, was that we're an example of not only, like, our own faith and putting that on display and living by what we say we believe, but I think even bigger picture than that, we're representing the kingdom of God. And so if we're out there and we're not living up to what we say we believe— then are we we're not doing our job as Christians you know we're we're created to exemplify God's character the character that that Jesus displayed when he lived here on this earth and so if we're not doing that we're we're you know at fault and how do we look and the th- like the question is how do we live up to that like how do we show others Christ's nature because like there's, I think it's important to be realistic on this too, because there's going to be times and days where you're maybe low energy or maybe something is challenging or you're going through dealing with something, you know, you're not always going to be happy, super happy, go lucky, exuding 
hey, how's everybody doing? Oh, what kind, how's your day going? Like, obviously, you want to be like that all the time. If possible, be joyful. But I think the, a practical way to view that, putting on Christ's nature for the world to see to, as, you know, as a witness to others, is, um, you know, exemplifying Christ's love for us toward them. And I think a very common sentiment, a very common situation with the world, with, with the world and with unsaved people that we encounter is us, you know, having a bad experience with them and choosing to put on Christ's nature to forgive or choosing to put on Christ's nature to, to not reciprocate whatever was done to us. Uh, something that, you know, somebody does you wrong or somebody speaks negatively about you, not taking the opportunity to get back at them is an example of putting on Christ's nature. Um, so there's a lot of ways we can do that, but I, I don't think like for us, for people listening today, I don't think that you always have to be like, you know, like I said, super, uh, overly outgoing, joyous all the time. Like there's going to be, we struggle, there's, you know, being a human being is challenging at times and there's going to be things we deal with, but on a consistent basis, we should be joyful. We should be, uh, positive as Christians and life giving to others. Cause we have life within ourselves. The Holy spirit is the, the river of life. What was the scripture on that? It was like, you are the river of life. Um, I'm blanking on that exactly. But yeah. speaking of the Holy Spirit, speaking of Christ, um, I'm gonna, I am gonna. want to look that up. So I don't know if you could, mm-hmm. if you had anything to add or if not, we can go ahead and start reading 1 Peter 2. But uh, I, I want to see what that is now. I, I right. Just, well, while you're looking for that, I just wanted to, to add on quickly that something that I like is this idea of we strive for perfection knowing we can't achieve it and being yeah. being okay with that understanding but still striving for it basically to explain that it's it's like we we know that we cannot live up to the perfect standard because of that we are all sinners we all fall short of of the glory of God and because of that yeah. we all we all deserve death but it's accepting the sacrifice that Jesus made that I think we'll, we'll maybe touch on a little bit here um, about the importance of that, or maybe that's from a different, different passage that I'm thinking of, but um, just the importance of that and knowing that if we live our lives going after that standard while knowing that we're not going to achieve it, because it is easy to feel like, put ourselves down when we don't achieve that. And again, like when we sin, we do need to have conviction and repent of that sin and do better. But it's, it's, it's a really delicate balance of striving for that perfection, but knowing that we can't achieve it. And I think it's something that comes with practice and with experience over days and months and years of being a Christian. Um, but if you, if you have that understanding and you're able to live that out and you live with an attitude of, of service and love and faith and hope, then you're going to be doing what God put us here on this earth to do. Yeah. And honestly, you know, striving for, striving for perfection, I think is a good thing because no matter what it is in your life, if you strive for perfection in your career, you're going to achieve really incredible results. If you strive for perfection in your relationships, friendships and marriage, you're going to achieve remarkable results. If you strive for perfection in your schoolwork, you're going to do well. But I think also like there's a delicate balance with that too of, of avoiding perfectionism because mm-hmm. that can tend to, in, tend to set in, uh, send a Ted in. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, just having that mindset. But no, striving for perfection is, I think it's a good thing as long as you 
you measure that with um, temperance when you when you approach that like perfectionist mindset. You have to be careful with that. But I did find um, what I was looking for, and I guess it wasn't a direct quotation, but John seven thirty seven through thirty nine. The subtitle under or over that section right there is rivers of living water. And it says, on the day of the last feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Okay, there it goes. Uh, now this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as the, yet the spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, our, out of our hearts will flow rivers of living water. And that's what we should, that's what other people should see in us. Um, you know, we've talked about the fruit of the spirit before on this podcast, but you know, I think going to reading that would give some more context and just understanding on what that looks like being a river, uh, you know, of living water flowing out from our hearts. But, um, I think in general, just understanding that concept too is like, okay, this is what it should look like. This is what it is. Um, and that's like a very powerful piece of imagery there, like the river, you know, of living water flowing out from our heart. It's just so good to picture that and, and realize and, and yeah. meditate on that. Because a river nourishes and really it provides life. I mean, yes. if, you, if you've ever it's looked at like, exactly, if you've ever looked at a, like a satellite picture of Egypt, for example, and you look at what the land looks like around the Nile versus what it looks like really everywhere else in the country and where, where the Nile branches out into the Mediterranean Sea, there's so much green and life around that river and water water is life really i mean 70% of our bodies are made up of it if not if not more than 70% somewhere around there our world is made up of 70% of that and so so god god knew what he was doing when he's when he placed those words in in the heart of of the writer there but water water is a great picture because it does it provides us with life and in in it it doesn't just benefit us as well once it's flowing out of our hearts we're then able to provide that life to other people as well. And so, yeah, I think that is a beautiful picture of, of what Christ's love is and how it flows from us. Well, too, um, you know, that's an image of what our lives should look like. A river, when it goes out, there's green surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Our lives should look like that. Everywhere we go, there's life surrounding us. Mm-hmm. How are we speaking? How are we... What do, what impression do people leave with uh, of uh, leave with of us? You know, those are the things that matter, and that's a good even that's a good image to have in our minds. Like, mm-hmm. are, are, do we leave a path of destruction everywhere we go, or do we leave green right. life? You know, or another, another and, good picture. I, I think the the river is potentially even better, but another one is light in the darkness. You know, are yeah. we providing hope when there's darkness all around, and when it seems like there's no way out? You know, that's that's what God, again, created, designed us to do and what the Holy Spirit in us does. And I mean, it also obviously you, you don't want to look at it in a selfish way, but it benefits us as well. And then once once that happens, then it, it benefits others as well. And so I think it's a beautiful kind of symbiotic thing where it, it comes from God, first of all, and it benefits both us and those around us. Yeah, definitely. And I, I just... I don't know. I think these images are just good for us to conceptualize some of these concepts as human beings, but we should get into this word here. So we have some time to talk about it. Definitely. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read out of first Peter one here. Actually, did you want to read 13 through 25 first Peter one? Yeah, I can. I can do that. Cool. 
Perfect. So this, again, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25, it's called Be Holy. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed that is coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's worth work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So that, that kind of mm. hammers home the point of living water as well. We talked about like grass surrounding a river and this is, yeah. it's almost like if that river dries up, the grass and the flowers around are going to die. But because yeah. the word of the Lord endures forever, that grass continues to live on and provides fruit for, for all around it. Yeah. And what does it take for flowers to grow and for, you know, plants to be cultivated. It takes the ground to be cultivated properly. It takes water and care and making sure that that ground is um, fertile for those things to come forth. And it's just a perfect picture of our lives. But again, too here, this is a preface into first Peter two with the imperishable seed from Christ, Mm -hmm. the living and enduring word of God that uh, endures forever, you know, and Let's see here. I think there was a part here I want to go back to as well. Um, the power of God's sovereignty. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and, and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have in sin- sincere love for each other, love for one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. So purifying ourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. So it's almost like a dependent statement there. How do we have sincere love for each other? By obeying the truth. Well, what does it require of us to obey the truth? We have to know the truth. We have to constantly be observing the truth and reading the truth. So um, these are just things I think to have on our mind before we go into this next section here. But I think as well, um, it's going to, it's underlines the, the overall point here of, you know, we can't as Christians and I, I myself, you know, always, there's always room for improvement here, but we, if we're not consuming that truth, if we're not eating that truth, you know, you don't live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that truth we need to have in our souls and in our spirits and to really meditate on it. Because when we face things in life that are challenging, that's what we have to turn to. 
if you don't have that, you're going to, like we were saying last week with the, with the armor of God, right? Um, if you don't have that, you're going to have issues. So that's, I don't know. That's what I want to say about that. I don't know if you have any other thoughts in this section here before we move on to two, but again, just to, as kind of something to keep in mind, this is something that we talked about, especially more around Easter time, but I, I love verses 18 through 19 as well. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So again, just kind of like you said, underlining the importance of that and just something that we all need to, I mean, that's why communion is important as well, just to regularly really just sit in thought about how unbelievably important Christ's sacrifice was and is. Yeah. Cause we don't, we don't take enough time to, to think about that. It's swept into the rug. I would encourage, encourage everybody to go check out that Easter episode. That was a really good one. Um, but yeah, it's just having time to like reflect mm-hmm. and, uh, truly meditate because we don't really have, it's, it's challenging in our lives, you know, adulthood is challenging with time. You know, time is of the essence, as you know, with your career and as I'm figuring out, you know, continually is time is so important. And just like any other relationship, it takes time to get to know God. It takes time to build that relationship with God. And if we're giving him one hour a week at church and that's it, how do we think that relationship is going to be? Is it going to be bearing fruit? Is it going to be bearing, you know, these things? Are you going to be close to God? Are you going to feel close to God? Are you going to want to serve God with all your heart? No. And I think even just, just setting aside time daily to where you can do that is a major step to take, um, to prepare yourself to go out as we're commanded to go out and make disciples to go out and spread the truth and to live it out. But yeah, we have to have that time. I I like what you said about meditating and and just fully soaking it in. Even the, the, uh, the picture of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the precious blood of Christ, um, is truly powerful, but I'm going to go ahead and read first Peter two, unless you have anything else. Good to go. Cool. So first Peter two, therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So first of all there, before I even continue on, the first part, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and slander. That alone is a pretty challenging thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I think it's a good summary of the things that eat away at, at all of us, Christians and, and non-Christians alike. We can all probably point to to one or maybe even a couple of those that we deal with in our in our hearts. Yeah. And, you know, I think too, like with us and our walk with God, it is, it really is impossible as human beings, we're always going to sin. But the thing is this, I do think it's possible for us to be, to get to a point in our lives where consciously knowingly 
we are not engaging in any sin continually. That is the goal. That is, that is a possibility. That's, that's real. Um, I feel like at times in my life I am there and, you know, uh, when you're living that way, there's going to be unconscious sin. That's why first John one nine, it says, you know, forgive us of our sins. First of all, number one, number two, cleanse us of all unrighteousness because there is unrighteousness that we're not even aware of. There's conscious Mm -hmm. sin. There's unconscious sin. Some of our thoughts we have that we, that we allow to, to take root in our mind are sinful. Some of the things that we do unknowingly are sinful to God. You know, it, for example, if you structuring your day, it's sinful toward God to structure your day in a way that doesn't honor him. Do we consciously decide to do that every day? Maybe not, but those are just sins that we're unconscious of. But our goal as Christians is to cut out the conscious sin because that's what we can control. When we choose to sin, that's what we can control. The unconscious sin is our flesh. Um, but yeah, that really struck me right there. It's like, that's the goal right here. Because if we are actively being malicious, if we're actively being deceitful, hypocritical, envying and slandering, you know, those are things that we're choosing to do. And, uh, we need to choose Christ and to get to a point in our lives where, like it says here in the next verse, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, consume the milk like literal babies to grow in our salvation, in our walk, so that that sin is cut out completely. You know, that sin is completely cut out. Whatever sin is challenging to you or, or whatever the case is, we cut it out and we get to a place in our walk with God where our consciousness is free. Our spirit is free. It's lifted. It's able to, to flourish. It's able to have flowers grow up upon it and to, to come forth and to walk forth in confidence and to walk forth in peace and witness to others because we know our lives is a, is a direct reflection as much as we can control of him. But yeah, I just think that that's so critical for us to envision for ourselves because it's possible. Kind of like what you were saying earlier about striving for perfection. You know, consciously it's possible to to get to that point. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really good uh, takeaway there from that beginning section. Yeah, um, and just one, one quick thing I wanted to add, um, kind of going back to this like growth, like, you know, by, by the side of a river sort of, um, analogy or whatever is, you know, those malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, they're almost like weeds. I would say they are like weeds and they, they stand in the way of, of us living in the, of, of us, as it says here, growing up in salvation. So what we need to do is we know we need to go in and we need to rip out those weeds and sometimes they're so far deep that we really do need to go to God and be like, God, show me how to get rid of this. You know, some of them are maybe easier to defeat. Some sins are really deep down and we need God to come in and really help us to get to get rid of those. And I mean, I believe even for the ones that are, quote, easier, obviously God still helps us with those as well. Um, but just the importance of, of ridding ourselves, like it says here, of those and then you know, when, when a baby is, is, when a baby is newborn, they, they need the, the, the mother's milk. And yeah. so that's, that's why this is also an, another good, good analogy here, um, by Peter, Peter, the writer, not, not me <laughs> of, of craving spiritual <laughs> third milk. Person. Exactly. Person. <laughs> 
but yeah. Well, I, speaking on that, let me give you another good analogy from Joseph real quick. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. Uh, I'm sure there are some, if you look in Genesis, there would have been something that that, that true, Joseph true, said. True, so, true, From the actual, the Joseph. Exactly. That's that's another podcast that we've done in the past that I would encourage everybody listening to to go back and maybe check that one out if you haven't already. Yeah, but you have a good point, though, in the sense of it being a weed. You know, we have to go to the root of a sin to, to root it out and rip it up and figure out what's causing it. Because sometimes the sin itself is not, um, you know, enough reason to look at why you're sinning. Sometimes there is a deeper issue going on that is causing you to want mm-hmm. to sin. And until you address that deeper issue underlying that sin, then it's going to continue to be an issue or at least a, a stronger temptation than it should be. Um, and growth can't so, happen if those, if those root, even the roots of those sins are in the way. And what, what you need to do instead is replace those roots of the sins that you have with roots of, of righteousness, of faithfulness, of, of joy, of peace, exactly. self-control, all the fruits of the spirit. So yeah. it's, it's planting Taking those on the likeness seeds. of God. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm going to keep going here so we can finish this out on time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably not going to go through the whole chapter here either, but continuing verse four, I'm just going to start there again. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Um, Isaiah twenty eight sixteen. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone, the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Hmm. Psalm one eighteen twenty two, And so Isaiah eight fourteen, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Huh? They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So this whole thing here, you can tell me if you disagree or not, but like this to me sounds like the idea of election and predestination when it comes to those who are saved because they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Like, what do you think about that? Hmm. I think it's, it's saying and then they verse were nine, destined sorry. for the message maybe. Yeah. And, well, verse nine, but you are a chosen people chosen by God, a royal priesthood. So I don't know. I think that's a whole other conversation, but to me, that's like, wow, that's kind of uh, interesting, the wording on that. Yeah. Well, I think what it's saying in verse 8, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were designed for. I'm not sure if it's saying that they were de- destined to stumble or if they were destined to receive the message, and then they're given a choice to deny it. Again, that gets in a whole different predestination versus free will um you know debate but what i what i like here and we kind of touched on this earlier really just at the very beginning of the episode was the importance of old testament and new testament together i love how peter here pulls 
from from Isaiah and Psalms uh, a couple of times here just to kind of call back because I mean to to many of the people that that he would have been writing to and, and even he himself um, as, as a uh, as a Jewish person would have been very familiar with the with the Torah with the Old Testament and so anytime that a New Testament writer like Peter, Paul, John, any any of those writers would reference the Old Testament, it's because those verses were familiar. At like growing up, young boys were basically required to memorize the Torah. And so by calling back these sort of things, it again just kind of highlights the importance of them. And you know, this gets into another picture of a foundation for a building of Jesus being the cornerstone for that foundation and that foundation building being the kingdom of God on earth and how Jesus is again, the, the cornerstone, even though the stone, the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus was rejected by the teachers of the law, but he was lifted up to a place where he provides the foundation for for Christianity because he is the really the start and end of Christianity. Yeah. Well, also too to to recall that, but also to it's it's prophesying Christ mm-hmm. and prophesying even the imagery of Christ in Isaiah and Psalms. It's like it's it's a double whammy. It's like recalling the Old Testament for the for those that studied it, and also just to show the importance of it. But also like this is prophecy. This is mm-hmm. the fulfillment of of God's word. So it's a beautiful dichotomy i guess you could say um but yeah continuing on here and we need to be wrapping up here soon um dear friends i urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify god on the day he visits us submit yourselves to the lord's sake for every uh for the lord's sake to every human authority whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. It's just a picture of what our lives should look like. And I think it's a, uh, a great thing for people to take away from today's episode I, I know it's it's a little bit shorter of an episode probably around 40 minutes when we finish up here but um that is a a good thing to to meditate on abstain from simple desires why because they wage war against our soul they do it's that hypocrisy that I was talking about earlier live good lives among the pagans that they even though they accuse you and they make fun of you they also recognize the good deeds and glorify god on the day he visits us which that's pretty incredible too like yeah. I'm not sure if that's talking about Christ's second coming, but that's kind of what came to my mind. Yeah, that it definitely elicits second coming for sure. Yes, and also being submitting to human authority, you know, which we've already talked about that. We talked about that way early on, the role of government with God's God's uh word on the role of government, what it's there to do to to uh, right here, as it says, to governors who are sent by God to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. So submitting yourselves along, so long as that's being carried out. But this is just a picture of our lives, and I think it wraps up the entire concept of, 
you know, if we're in a, if we're consuming the truth, if we're living it out, it will not let sin to take root. It will not allow that to take root. It will not allow those things to really come forth. It's going to be very challenging for you if you're in the word daily and if you're submitting to God daily, if you're struggling with, uh, you know, conscious sin that is waging war against your soul because he will convict you of that. And it may take time, but you can, you know, root out that sin and live upright and holy lives to glorify him. And I think even for our witness, that's so important. Definitely. So I think that those are a couple of takeaways that I have from this whole scripture here, but I'm not sure about you. Yeah. For me, it's, it's kind of the same level, but I guess maybe just saying in a slightly different way, um, verses 15 and 16, we're going to read those again quickly for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So that to that point, it shows that when we're doing God's will, we're going to silence people who are saying that, you know, we're, we're doing wrong or we're living, you know, old fashioned or whatever, whatever the case might be that by doing God's will, we're doing good. (laughs) (laughs) I'll gladly claim that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That was, that was a good old voice crack. But then then the, (laughs) the second one, the second kind of takeaway that I had is 16 live as free people but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. So we need to be fully submitted to God. And when it elicits the phrase slaves here, it's a, a t- totally different type of slave than what, what we saw in America um, and, and many other places around the world um, in modern form of slavery. It was really, we talked about this before, I'll keep it real brief, more of like indentured servitude. Um, but anyways, yeah. on that point, we need to be submitted to God and we can we live as free people, but we do not use our freedom as a cover up for evil. What I take that to mean is the idea that some people who I would say are false Christians would say, "Oh, well, I'm I'm covered by the blood of God. I can do whatever I want. I can I can live in sin if I want to. I can live the life as I want to." And in many ways, that would be living out evil. And so, what it's saying here is just because we're free doesn't mean that we can use that as an excuse to, to cover up evil. And so we still need to live pure lives and to exemplify the character of Christ as we've talked about throughout this episode. Yeah. I don't really think I could say much better of a summation than that. So, um, would you want to go ahead and lead us in prayer closing up? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll keep it, I'll keep it quick. Cause I know we're kind of on a time crunch here now, but yeah, Dear God, just thank you for for the opportunity to come together and dive into your word and to dive in some into some very important themes. I pray that you would help us all to just cultivate our relationship with you and to fully soak in the living waters that you provide to our souls and that then we would just that those living waters would flow out of us like it says here in this word and that we would be able to cultivate, again, not only our own relationship with you, but also the relationship of others with you and to just promote growth in in all those around us. And um, I pray that you would just help all that we talked about today to be in our hearts and our minds today and in, in the coming days and months and years, and that you would remind us just of the importance of Jesus' sacrifice every day and just thank you thank you for the time that we were able to spend together dive in your word in Jesus name I pray amen Lord I pray that your this message be uh, 
broadcast to those who need to hear it, Lord. I pray that your truth would be um, just meditated upon today. I pray that we'd all structure our lives, Lord, make time for you to build that relationship, cultivate it, Lord, to root out sin, to walk forward in strength and righteousness, Lord, to, to be a mighty warrior for the kingdom of God. I pray for all of us listening, God, to just exemplify in our lives that truth, Lord, to be a river of living water, God, to be fertile ground, to to display your fruit and to be witnesses to others, God. I just pray that our lives would be more conformed to you. I thank you for this podcast, God. I pray True North would be blessed in its venture. And then, Lord, I pray that everybody listening today would, would take something home that they can really apply in their lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we, we would encourage you to share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it if you have not already done so in the past with True North Talk. Still growing, still putting things together. So we appreciate it. If you did listen to this point in the episode, make sure you like and rate the podcast at Apple and Spotify. And with that being said, we will see you in episode 50. Peace. Peace.